Well, we are going to turn now to uh, look at God's Word together. Um, funnily enough, we aren't going to have a reading uh, this morning because we're going to have about 15 readings um, through this talk, um, and I'll explain um, why that is now. Uh, this morning, we are starting a new series called Focus, um, for no more cleverer reason than that each week we are going to be focusing on a different topic uh, from uh, the Bible, and considering particularly the thing that ties them together is that they are all looking at the essentials of what shapes the life of a Christian church. And so in a year in which everything has been thrown in the air for us, um, in a variety of ways, it's um, a helpful opportunity for us to reconsider what it is that is to shape the life of our church here at OPC, uh, so that when the dust settles, we might be even more what God calls us to be as a church. Now, when it comes to preaching, um, there are really two sorts of sermons that um, you will ever hear here. Um, One is um, a, a systematic preaching. It's where we systematically go through a book, verse by verse, a book by book, and see what God says to us through those passages. And that is our staple diet here. Um, it's, a, it's a very good thing to do because God's given us the Bible in books, so it makes sense to study it in books. And it keeps the preacher or the vicar from uh, skipping over those bits that they find tricky or cherry-picking the bits they most like to talk about. So that is our staple diet and will always be so. But occasionally, it is helpful for us to, rather than go, what does God say to us through this passage, instead to say, what does God say to us through all of the Bible on this particular topic or that particular topic? And so that's what we're doing today and over the next seven weeks. And uh, this morning, we are beginning to do that by considering um, a, a focus on the church gathering. And the irony is not lost on me uh, that we are doing that on a day when uh, we are not meeting um, in person for the first time uh, in a while. Um, not lost on me at all. But here we go. We are going to be post-pandemic ready for having done this thinking um, now. But also, it does continue to apply to us even as we aren't able to uh, meet in person. Uh, we are going to look at the purpose of why we gather together on Sundays and then the priority um, of gathering together on Sundays. So that's what we're about to do. Um, let me pray for us as we turn to do that together. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do speak by your Holy Spirit, who we have just declared our belief in, in the words of the Creed, uh, that you speak still today. And we ask that you would help us to be attentive to your word as we consider it together now, and that you would shape us more and more into the people that you want us to be as a church community. In Jesus' name, amen. So purpose and priority, and we're going to begin this little time uh, together um, by speaking to uh, someone that you're with at home about this, okay? If you're um, watching uh, by yourself, then you can consider this in the silence of your own thoughts, but if you're watching with someone, um, then do turn to them now and just discuss for one minute um, what you think the purpose of our church gatherings are here on Sunday. One minute, I'm going to time it, and then I'll bring us back together. Well, that's your minute. I wonder what you, um, you thought of. We are going to um, look at this um, with six headings uh, this morning, okay? Um, I've made a little acrostic for us to use, which will come up uh, on the screen now, an acrostic um, on the word um, church, okay? And these are the six headings that we're going to um, look at um, uh, 
uh, over the next uh, few minutes. Okay, so um, here we are, church. And the first heading um, is uh, connect with God. We gather in order to connect with God. Um, Take a look at these uh, verses from John chapter 15, uh, verses 5 and 6. Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, uh, just back in December, uh, we at our house had a number of trees in our garden cut down. It was very exciting um, for the boys with all the chainsaws and trees falling to the ground. And um, just a few weeks before uh, the men came to cut down the trees, a big branch on one of those trees uh, unexpectedly crashed uh, to the ground, which was a pretty good sign that they had made the right call in deciding uh, that it should be cut down. I was very glad that one of my children wasn't under the branch at that time, because I know um, who would have won. Now, at that point, we didn't winch the branch back up and try and reattach it to the tree. Instead, we took it back to the garden, hacked it up into bits, and burned it, because we knew it would have no life anymore, because it was disconnected from the trunk. Now, interestingly, that branch didn't actually die the moment that it fell from the tree. It fell from the tree because it had already died. And so a a silent, invisible disconnection can be taking place, whether in a plant or in a relationship, and even in that most important relationship of all, our relationship with our God. It is a very serious and sad thing. And Jesus here urges us to remain in him and allow him to remain in us, to continue in that vital, connected relationship that gives us life. And yet it is possible for us to appear connected, just as that branch did for so long, to be coming to church, to be doing the right things, to be going to small group central, uh, taking part in the um, Bible reading plan at the moment, and yet for there to be silently this disconnection between us and God. And that brings with it a slow but certain death. We gather on Sundays to connect with God Of course we can do that outside of the Sunday gathering. In fact, we're missing out greatly if we don't. But we can do it in a uniquely corporate way when we are gathered together. How do we connect with God? Well, we connect with him in a variety of ways. When we pray to him, that is a deeply connecting thing for us to do. When we sing songs and hymns together, we are connecting with God. And Jesus, in just the very next verse, points out another way that we connect to him, and that's by considering and letting his words remain in us. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We connect with God as we hear from him. And that takes us to the second letter in our acrostic. We've had connect with God and now hear from him. Him. Look at these astonishing words from the letter to Timothy. It says this All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, the astonishing claim of the scriptures is that when we hear the Bible, we are hearing God's voice. Just let that sink in for a moment. 
We're hearing God's voice when we read the Bible. The Bible has been breathed out by God. Yes, it was written by people, but as 2 Peter 1 verse 21 says, people were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote this book. And so this is God's book for us, the way he discloses himself to us. I love reading autobiographies and uh, people's memoirs. Um, Sometimes I listen to them as well as an audio book. And just recently I've downloaded um, Obama's uh, audio book, 29 Hours Awaiting Me, uh, him talking about his time um, in the Oval Office. But I find that sort of thing fascinating to hear not secondhand, but from the person themselves, from the horse's mouth, what it was like for them in that particular moment um, in that particular job. Um, I find it fascinating. God wrote a book, and it's not just to a general audience. Through that book, God speaks to you and to me. Isn't that astonishing that he loves us enough to communicate with us like that, that we have the possibility of seeing into his heart and his thinking and his plan for the world through that book And it says um, in Hebrews 2, verse 1, it gives us this uh, warning. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. You know, through the week, we are being bombarded with words, with messages from the world. Every time you open a newspaper or turn on the news or scroll through social media, We are being told a particular story, given a particular message. And one of the reasons that we gather together on Sundays is to hear from him, to allow his truth to re-gospel us with what is true about the world. And this, as it happens, is why we commit so much of our time when we gather to hearing God's word read and then preached. We want to hear not the preacher's clever words, but God's voice as he speaks authoritatively to us through the Bible. You notice when we have a reading, we say, what do we say? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That can just become so normal to us that we don't consider what we're saying in that moment. But as the Bible is read, we declare together, this is the word of the Lord. And that's absolutely true. And we'll think about this more, actually, uh, next week as our focus will be on the Bible. So there we've um, got our second. We uh, come to connect with God, to hear from him. And thirdly, to unite around Jesus. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, as we were looking together um, at the letter to the Ephesians, uh, we saw and studied these words together. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And we considered that point that we are built around Jesus. We gather together to express our unity in Jesus. It is a remarkable, visible, tangible sign of our unity for us to gather together. When we say the creed, as we did just a few moments ago, it's a sign of our unity around what we believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus. When we share communion, as one day we will again, we quote 1 Corinthians 10, 17, when we say, though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. 
we declare that we are what God has made us by faith in Jesus. One people, one body, one family. And again, the irony isn't lost on me that we aren't able to do that physically here this morning. And yet we look forward to and will embrace the day when we finally can again. Now, we also express this unity in what we sing. And this takes us uh, to our fourth one, respond in worship. We come to respond in worship. Uh, Look at this uh, verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And how do we do that? It says, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Having heard God's word, we, we sing back to him and back to each other the truths that we have read in the Bible, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. And this is one of the things that we miss so much at the moment from our gatherings. We're hugely grateful to our musicians who have done a fantastic job for us over recent months. Uh, But all the more for that reason, we want to join in, don't we, with loud voices to sing and to celebrate the gospel that we hear together, to musically soak in the glorious message of the gospel as we give thanks to God and rejoice in his love for us. I think the most powerful experiences I have had in my Christian life have been of singing, particularly singing after the sermon or as we share communion. We've heard God's word. We are remembering the gospel and Jesus' death for us and the bread and wine. And he is being proclaimed through word and sacrament. And then we join, we unite together. There's an incredible sense of unity in the room as we sing and rejoice in that gospel together, worshiping God and giving thanks for the fact that he has saved us and that we are in Christ Jesus. Of course, our worship is not only singing. I remember once walking out through the doors of, I think it was Dewsbury Minster, and etched on the glass of the door, it said, on the way out, it said, worship continues here. I thought that was a brilliant expression, that as we head out into the world, worship continues. Our worship isn't just our singing, but it is certainly not less than our singing. And we come together, we gather together on Sundays in order to respond in worship. And next we have this one, care for each other. In the verses just before those that we were looking at in Colossians 3, uh, Paul writes this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Part of our response to being a people born of love and forgiveness, as well as to respond in worship, is to show love and forgiveness to each other. As we worship God, to become more like the one we worship, and so increasingly reflect him to each other. 
I'm conscious again that I'm preaching this in a pandemic, and yet it must and still can be part of our church life to care for each other. It's been amazing over recent months to hear how we have adapted to our circumstances in fulfilling this duty to care for each other. Hearing of people sending each other messages, a little notelet sent through the post, meals delivered, Zooming each other, delivering things to those who are housebound, praying together over the phone. It's been wonderful to hear. And when restrictions are lifted, and once again, a big part of why we gather on a Sunday will be so that we can know each other, so that we can grow in friendship and pray with and for each other and ask how we're getting on. And look into one another's eyes so that we can tell when someone says they're fine, whether they really are or not. So that we can put a hand on the shoulder. So that we can invite someone back for lunch after the service. Imagine that. One day we'll be able to do that again. How can we care for each other and know and love each other if we don't gather together regularly? That is one of the things, as wonderful as technology is, that it struggles very much to replicate, even over Zoom. So we do so, we gather week by week, and it is a beautiful and wonderful, enriching part of what it means to be a Christian. To be, to be a Christian is to be part of a family, a church family, and to belong to it. Uh, Jesus says, um, uh, speaking again to his disciples in John 13, he says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so our care for each other leads us on to the final letter in our acrostic, hold out the gospel. Part of the reason that we gather on a Sunday is to equip us to scatter through the week to fulfill the mission that Jesus gave us. And that mission is very famously there at the end of Matthew's gospel where Jesus said, uh, where this uh, took place. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As we gather on a Sunday, we're re-envisioned and re-enchanted with the gospel so that we might take that good news with us as we scatter and as we shine in the world. Speaking of him, inviting people to hear and to respond themselves to the good news about him. The Sunday gathering is in that sense rather like a fuel station. You stop, you fuel up, you rest, you head out again to fulfill the mission of making Jesus known. And again, it's why we end our gatherings by saying this, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. We love and serve him as we make his goodness and his gospel known. And so there, a whistle-stop tour of those uh, six points. Church, why do we gather? What's the purpose of our gathering? To connect with God, to hear from him, to unite around Jesus, to respond in worship, to care for each other, and to hold out the gospel. And so more briefly now, why should this be a priority for God's people? We've looked at the purpose, now the priority of the Sunday gathering. And here in Hebrews 10, 
we read these words. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. The habit of meeting together is one of the key ways that God has given us to be encouraged in our faith. And he does that through each other. We need each other. In Romans chapter 12, it says this, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. Church is one body with many members, and each of us belongs to each other. You see, church is not merely a meeting you attend or a performance that you watch, irony noted. It is a body that you belong to. Church should be a priority not only because of the spiritual good it can do for me, but because of the spiritual good that my attendance can do for others. So if you're wavering about how high a priority it should be for you to come to gather with God's people on a Sunday, God says to you at least these two things. One, don't think you don't need us. And two, don't think that we don't need you. We are more needy than we think and more needed than we think. God has given us each other because we need each other to receive the encouragement to keep following Jesus. And as we see each other week by week, making the Sunday gathering a priority, we will be reminding each other of that very thing, that we need each other. Now look, you can still go to Aunt Mabel's 80th birthday party, that's fine. This isn't about being legalistic or rigid. But it's about seeing that there really isn't anything more wonderful or worthwhile that you or I could be doing on our Sunday mornings than to come to be doing this thing of gathering together that we've been thinking about this morning. It is the thing that is most for our good. It is the thing that is most good for your family, for your church family, and for God's glory. And when we stay away, we shouldn't feel a sense of guilt that we've done that. We should feel a sense of missing out on all that we can have as we gather together. And so the purpose of our gathering is to connect with God, to hear from him, to unite around Jesus, to respond in worship, to care for each other, to hold out the gospel. It's something we can do together in a way that we cannot do apart. It's not a meeting you ten, attend, it's a body that you belong to. We belong to each other. We're more needy than we think and more needed than we think. And so friends, Sunday by Sunday, be with God's people. Be blessed. Be a blessing to others. And may it bring God glory as he makes us more and more the people that he calls us to be. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for each other. Though we can't see each other, uh, we thank you that we can communicate through technology, uh, that we can pray for each other, 
uh, we can encourage each other in the Christian life. And we pray, Father, that uh, through these uh, gatherings online in the meantime, uh, through things like Small Group Central, um, you might help us to fulfill uh, these responsibilities to each other, to care for and love and build each other up in the faith and point each other towards you. And we pray that when the day comes, and may it come quickly, when we can gather together again physically in person, that you would help our Christian life together to flourish as we encourage each other and point each other to Jesus. Father, we do thank you for your great wisdom in not making us lone wolf Christians, but in putting us together in a family that we belong to. And we pray that you would give us great joy as we fulfill all that it is that you have called us to be as a church family. In Jesus' name, amen.